Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Starting Grip Podcast. I'm Rome Kitty alongside my co-host Shane Holcomb, and today we are going to discuss all things qualifying that happened in Zandvoort just this morning in the America time, but if you're over in Netherlands for some reason, it's probably nighttime over there by the time we're recording, but anyways, time constraints, time constraints aside, let's just jump right into this. Let's not waste any more time, so let, let's just start off with things in Q1, right? Um, so it, it went, it went from 16 to 20, right? So the guys that are going to be in P16, P17, P18, P19, P20 will be Joe Guanyu, P16. P17 is Esteban Alcon from Alpine, which was shocking to me because he actually had somewhat of a decent end to the first half of the year. So something to look at there. And then you got Kevin Magnuson from the Haas in P18, Valtteri Bottas, another disappointing set for him, P19. And then the interesting guy I want to talk about first here, Shane, is Liam Lawson in P20. The reason why he's even in this alpha tire right now is because Daniel Ricciardo broke his hand, I think, in free practice, too, trying to uh, – he crashed into turn three. And he's out for at least until Singapore, according to Christian Horner. So, first of all, just before we jump into Lawson's performance, like, Shane, what do you think of this move to put Lawson in the spot? Do you think this will be a good audition for him to – you know, probably get into a Formula One team in the next two or three years, wherever, however it takes. Yeah, Rumble, before I answer that question, I just want to preface this with the fact that, you know, we talk about time zones. We're both in two different time zones in the same country right now, which is kind of interesting. You don't really get there anywhere else in the world, uh, two different time zones, but in the same, you know, territory. But yeah, I mean, Liam Lawson coming in for Dan Ricardo and Afatari C. It's very interesting. It's very intriguing because... It's an opportunity for him to show his talent, obviously. I think it's a big call to make for Afatari. I think it was an easy call to make, though, as well, to bring in Liam Lawson. I know that there was reports on Twitter that, you know, the crazy thoughts of potentially even bringing back Nick DeVries for this race, um, which would have been just kind of hilarious and just kind of shithousery and a middle finger to, to Liam Lawson. But I'm happy he's getting this opportunity. and. You know, I know he's going to be starting from the back of the grid tomorrow in that Avatar, which is an abomination of the car to begin with. But, you know, it's an opportunity for him to get some overtakes, to have a clean race. I think that's the most important thing for Liam Lawson tomorrow, Rome, is to not put into the barriers. And if he can do that, if he can maybe improve a couple of places, you know, what's not to say that he can't have that Avatar seat for 2024, especially if. Danny Ricardo or Yuki Sonoda continue to perform the way that they have, especially Sonoda so far this season. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Lawson could be one of the major contenders for, you know, not just that AlphaTauri seat, but if he's good enough, possibly that Rebel seat in, I don't know, five, six years. I mean, we're kind of just previewing things down the line here. But that's what the type of pedigree this guy brings to the table here. And it kind of gets you excited if you're somehow an alpha tari fan or rebel fan somewhere all over the uh, somewhere in the world but let's just talk about his performance first he he's like 1.3 seconds behind in the alpha tari i mean to me this was kind of expected from a guy who's just making his debut you know nothing too crazy to start like we like this is just first time in f1 car he's probably not used to being in that environment yet so I want to just get your thoughts on his performance, but also any of the other four guys you kind of had your eyes on and being like, man, this was not their day today. 
Well, besides what happened with Boston, obviously he brought up the rear in his first ever qualifying session of his F1 career. But, you know, let's discuss a little bit around the double Q1 exit for Alfa Romeo in those wet conditions. I mean, Joe sliding his way down to 16th and Botas taking a very disappointing 19th. This is a team, Rome, that has just been continuing to go down the slope, if you want to make the roller coaster analogy, down the hill. Ever since the first races of the season, really. And we saw that somewhat last year as well, Rome, if you remember, you know, Botas, I'm pretty sure, had a pretty high finish in Bahrain in 2022. Kind of the same thing, gets into the points of 2023. But ever since then, you know, both him and Joe haven't been competing anywhere near those points in these past couple of race weekends. So this team, I know I throw this word around a lot, Rome, and maybe it's kind of a little harsh, but like Alfa Romeo, you talk about how they might be checked out a little bit, Rome, as they make their transition to Sabre pretty soon. But like abomination of a constructor right now, Alfa Romeo. And if they don't get their act together, Rome, they could find themselves in P10, the constructors, come a couple of race weekends time because I have more confidence right now that Ricardo and Sonoda will be getting points than Botas and Joe. And that's saying something because I'm not a huge fan of Sonoda, but at least he has been somewhat contending in that P10 to P13 range these past couple of race weekends. So I would watch out if I were Alfa Romeo because that's only a six-point gap right now in the constructor standings. And I think Afatari can really jump them come the end of the season. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you just said. And I'll just kind of echo it, really. I mean, if you look at this team's performance the entire season, it just has been subpar. That's just been the way it is this entire time. And if you're an F1 team, that's not where you really want to be. You want to be contending with the top. You want to be fighting for points every race. And it's just, to me, it seems like this Alfa Romeo team just doesn't care about that. They just are just kind of going through the motions at this point. Like I keep saying on here, just getting checked out. And to me, that's disappointing as an F1 fan because you want to see all 10 teams doing well. But I understand because there's different machinery with different things. Sometimes the competition, especially this year, has just been super wide and just different and not really together and not really competitive, to say the least. So... That's just, you know, Alfa Romeo's performance, but I want to turn it over to, you know, Haas as well. And we'll talk about the Q2 in a second, but Shane, I know you're probably like the least favorite fan of Haas that I, I have at least known because you had this team P10 and the constructors, correct me if I'm wrong, at the beginning of this year. And I mean, to be fair though, they have been doing okay, but not really where you want to be if you're a backmarker team, essentially. And then just to put the chair on the top, K-Mag and P18, that is just it's not it at all, especially when your other driver is outperforming you by a mile, especially in qualifying. That's a little bit sketchy to me. So I don't know if you want to chime in on that. You can or choose another driver if you want. Listen, I talked about how Alfa Romeo should be scared that Alfa Tari is only, what, a couple of points behind in the Constructors' Championship right now. That gap to Haas from isn't that far away either. Yeah. I could see a scenario where Haas finishes P10 in the Constructors' Championship. Mm-hmm. And all of you guys, this whole season, not really you, Rome, but other people who have done this podcast, I've said, oh, look at these qualifying results from the likes of Hulkenberg. And, you know, he's doing so good in this car, whatnot, yada, yada, yada. But when it comes to race day, both Magnuson and Hulkenberg, who 
really confusingly just got extensions for 2024 Rome. Don't even ask me about that. But like these performances have not been good enough on Sunday. I mean, this is a team Rome that when you look at points finishes so far this season, like they haven't scored points Rome, I believe since if I'm thinking straight Austria, which was, you know, all the way back in July, in the beginning of July. So there's been a lot of races since then where they've started in better positions, where they've started in points positions, they haven't gotten the job done. And to be completely blunt with you, I think Gunther Steiner should just leave his role at Haas. I really do, because mm-hmm. I don't know if he can put up with another year of Magnussen and Hulkenberg, you know, qualifying one lap pace is great in that Ferrari-powered engine car, but when it comes to race day, when it comes to when it matters most, when the points are earned, that car, that engine, and those drivers can't perform to get those points. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really, really bad teams in Formula One right now. Um, I put Haas, Alfa Romeo, and AlphaTauri all in that mix. Um, but, yeah, it just – I don't know how these guys got extensions. It's, it's, it baffles me, Rome really does. Yeah, it's 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 very puzzling to me as well. Like, I don't know, maybe you just somehow see faith in those guys that they're not going to put the car into barriers like Mick did last year. I mean, sure. You know what it is, Rome? I think it's Haas just being too scared to say that they're wrong. Like, if yeah, they keep these guys in the car, it's almost a justification, a self-justification of, okay, we, we have the right people in this team. And it's almost like they're... They're too scared to admit their own mistakes, you know, so, and they're too scared with the uncomfortable. They're too scared with the unknown of bringing in a rookie driver or hiring some guys that haven't been in the sport for a couple of years or bringing back some guys who are retired that like, they're just, they're, they're too set in their own ways and they're not going to do anything if they continue on this trajectory. Yeah, and I think to me, you basically just described the 2023 New York Yankees. They're kind of on that same plane of just like, I don't know what they're doing. The management is absolutely terrible. Like, you can't admit you're wrong. Like, I I keep hearing the same old narratives to the New York Yankees this year with Haas this year. And I know we've kind of made like American sports like comparisons to F1 teams because both of us are American. So you're just going to get a lot of American big energy here as the UK likes to call us on that but you know just for an american team like this is kind of what this team has been this whole their whole existence really like they're not a team that's going to compete like you're not going to get a guy that's going to win races for them like when has a driver for has ever won a race like i don't think so i mean i think i think k-mag won a race with mclaren but i'm specifically saying with has like you're not going to get a team or a driver that's gonna win a race for you so anyway you could chime in on that yeah, so Rome, not only do they not have any race wins as a constructor, and let's not forget they've been in the sport since 2016, this is a team that has no podiums in 156 Grand Prix. They're just like the so, team version of Nico Hulkenberg, really. It's just what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it is it's pretty nuts, to be honest with you. You know, obviously that whole position for K-Mag, but like... That's like the one thing you hang your hat on, like in a sprint weekend, like, I guess, I don't know. What happened on that sprint race too, Rome? Yeah, Russell won both the sprint race and the actual race. So, yeah. That's just, just, I mean, these guys have been been here for eight. This is their eighth season now, Rome. No podiums. And 
yeah, it's just it's just it's just one big it's just one big SMH over here. Points. They're over they're averaging a little over thirty points a season, which yeah. for their ambition to start. And and after finishing fifth at constructors in twenty eighteen, they've just gone down the hill since then, yeah. Rome. You thought they would develop and continue to improve and maybe be at best of the rest side, but no, it just it's gone the other way. No, it has it has it has gone the other way. Uh, lastly, in Q1, just quickly chime in on, to me, just quickly chime in on uh, Espen Akon. I think, you know, for his day, it was kind of shocking to me because you're used to seeing him in Q2, maybe even a couple Q3s here and there. So to see him get knocked down in Q1 again, I think this is like, what, second or third time getting knocked down in Q1 this year. So it's not really what you want to see from him or Alpine, but I think it's kind of understandable because they're kind of a mess right now. And you're kind of just, the team's in totally two totally like many different directions, quite honestly. So I kind of understand where Akon's at right now. It's probably just wasn't the best day for him. So anyway, let's just move on to Q2 where P11 through P- P15 in order goes Lance Stroll in P11, Pierre Gasly in P12, Lewis Hamilton in P13, Yuki Tsunoda in P14, and Nico Hulkenberg in P5. And I know we just talked a little bit about Nico Hulkenberg and the Hastings, so we'll just kind of get that out of the way. We don't need to talk about that. But I think we need to address the elephant in the room here. And that is my man, Lewis Hamilton. To me, I just, I, I've been kind of on this, like, on and off boat with Lewis this year. I mean, every time I doubt this guy, this guy gets a pull in Hungary. Or every time I like to praise him for some reason, this guy just kind of goes down the other way. His season for, for me has just been kind of been all over the place, kind of like it was last year. I mean, yeah, he's got like a couple podiums here and there, but he's not going to be a race winner like he once was. It's just a fact now. Like this guy's going to be towards the middle of the points, like P5, P6, P7 on a consistent basis, and he will just turn into, I don't know, another Carlos Sainz and maybe get a couple polls here and there, just try and be Mr. Consistent. Because this season has just not been what it needs to be for Lewis's standards. And if he wants to, I don't know, retain his GOAT status, like he needs to, for me, just to get a couple more race wins here and there. Like I understand he had the whole dominant 2010s and stuff like that. And I understand like you're kind of, and again, we use the American sports comparison, like you're kind of past your prime a little bit. I mean, this guy's still getting in the points. So that's like really good. I'm not, I'm not making that a bad thing for him. I'm just saying, you know, for his standards to get 106 poles in his career and to get, you know, race wins, like pretty much every race, like Verstappen's doing right now, it just hasn't been the best season for him just overall. And Shane, I'll turn it over to you now. Kind of what are your thoughts on Hamilton's performance today and basically drop the season? Cause for me, it's kind of been just up and down the whole year. Yeah. It's almost been a little bit of a seesaw run, but I mean, let's not forget too. This is a guy who, unlike Sergio Perez, has gotten points and decent points in every single race of the season so far. And I think this might be a little bit of an anomaly, Rome, because let's not forget, too, he was impeded by Yuki Sonoda in this qualifying session. And, I mean, I know you talk about his season as almost a little bit of a failure and all over the place, but, it's, I mean, we look at the standings, he's, what, 49 points ahead of his teammate, George Russell, who was the guy who was picked to take over as the number one driver in Mercedes before the season. So I don't think it's been all that much of a failure for Lewis Hamilton. I don't think you were saying it was a failure, but I think we got to give him a little bit of credit for what he has done so far this season against that young up-and-coming driver and George Russell. We know how much talent that British driver has, but Lewis Hamilton, obviously, he's towards the back end of his career. He probably won't win another World Drivers' Championship with Mercedes, and 
I think that's just the reality at this stage of his career. But, you know, he still is having a pretty good season when you compare it to what his teammates doing. And that's same car, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I understand that. I'm also giving a little bit of credit just staying in the points, but, you know, just kind of by his standards, it hasn't been great in general this whole year. But I also kind of want to talk about Pierre Gasly a little bit because I, I think he had like a really good week in spa before the summer break. I think you look at that performance and go, okay, like he's still got something like this entire year. He's been kind of just been, you know, kind of towards the middle of the field, not really doing too much, kind of getting a few points finishes here and there. And you're kind of now starting to see his progression in that Alpine car and showing you why he can have the potential to be a household name. And I get it. P12 is not the best place you want to qualify if you want to be that. But I'm looking at what he did at Spa and I'm like, okay, like this guy's got it. This guy still knows what he's doing. This guy knows how to drive that car. I mean, like, granted, that Alpine car has been in shambles this year. But I think if you look at Gassi's performance, it hasn't been that bad. And I feel like, it low-key kind of reminds me of like one of his first years at AlphaTauri in 2021 where he won at Monza. I feel like that season is almost very comparable to what he's been doing this year. I mean, we can look at the whole numbers and stuff in that a whole nother time, but I feel like just off of vibes and the eye test, I feel like that's kind of what I'm getting from this version of Pierre Gasly. And to me, it's very interesting to get this type of version of him because last year at AlphaTauri just wasn't great. Like, let's just be real. This guy wasn't getting in the points. And also, granted, that Alpha Tower car was also bad. So I think when you put him in a better-ish car than Alpha Tower, I think you'll give him a better opportunity to score more points towards the back half, like P8, P9, P10, that kind of area. So I, I don't know. I just want to get your thoughts on Gasly's like, performance today. And you, you do you think he'll do well in the race tomorrow and in the races that come in the future? No, I don't think he'll do well in the race tomorrow. And I say that because he's got a lot of really, really good drivers ahead of him and also mm. better cars. So I'm going to predict a no points finish for Gasly in tomorrow's race. He starts in P12 behind Lance Stroll, obviously behind the two Red Bulls, um, behind a Mercedes, behind a Tim McLaren, who had a great damn show with Hushman a little bit later, the two Ferraris. So Let's not get too much ahead of ourselves here. I mean, I think the reality is that Alpine is now the sixth best car on the grid. I mean, that's at least what the constructors point saying. It's not even really close now that I got between them and McLaren. It's kind of, I know we've talked about this a lot, Rome, but ever since really Austria, the two different directions these teams have gone in and McLaren and Alpine, you had a side who didn't have the best start of the season than McLaren, you know, went through a rough patch in the middle of the season, the middle of the first half of the season, you know, no points in Spain or Canada. Obviously, Alpine kind of capitalized on that. But ever since Austria, these teams have gone completely different directions. You know, McLaren, Rome, now has a sizable lead over Alpine and the constructors. And that's not going to, that gap's not going to close anytime soon. So, I mean, Gassi, if you look at the construct, if you look at the driver's standings too, he's 13 points behind his teammate. So, I just think it's been a really disappointing for season as a, as a whole for Alpine, you know, obviously with so many changes in their front office, as I'd like to say in America, I'm kind of, you know, unfolding these past couple, these past couple weeks, obviously with some of the, the sporting directors departure and Aunt Mars departure and many other people's departures in these last couple of years and their drivers departures as well. It's just been very, they've been, they've exceeded, they've, they've performed very, they haven't 
they've performed very below their expectations going into the season. And this is a team that we could say was maybe could be fourth once again in the constructors, and now they find themselves in six. It's just I don't really know where Alpine goes from here, Rome. I could see them being a back marker team, even with these two, I think, somewhat talented drivers, but not capable of getting you the results you need for these next couple of seasons. Because, I mean, they're not going to be exceeding McLaren in these next couple of seasons. They don't have the driver lineup to do that, or the car, it seems. Ferrari is a big three side historically. They're not gonna they're not gonna succeed them. And Aston Martin, if Fernando Alonso is still in that car and it continues to develop, they're not gonna be passing them. So this is a team now, Rome, where I think if anything, they go backwards from where they are right now. And next season, you know, a team like Williams could be catching up with Alpine. So it's somewhat weird how the tides have changed, but they have changed. And I think we have to have some uncomfortable conversations about that constructor as a whole at the moment. Yeah. And to be fair though, I think when you really look at Alpine's direction, like they're closer to the back markers than they are in the top four. I agree. So, I, yeah, and that's, that's just, said, and yeah. that's just, that's just what it has been now. That's just kind of what the narrative has been. But quickly before we move on to Q3, I want to ask you just one little rapid fire question. Does Lance Stroll get into the points tomorrow? He's starting from P11, so he has a decent chance, but... Yes, he does get into the points, and I think it's at the cost of Logan Sargent. I wouldn't be surprised if it's just one point for him, but he does get his, he does get his point tomorrow. Honestly, like... I don't think he does get points because I feel like Lewis's race pace this year, even though I just had a whole rant where I was just like crapping on him, but this guy's race pace has been really good. And if you're in a big six car towards like the middle half of the grid, you're just going to shoot right up. And even though Sargent is kind of going to go down, we all expect that. I feel like because Hamilton's going to get into the points pretty easily tomorrow, I, I don't see Lance getting any points. I think he'll probably stay P11 or maybe even P12. That's just kind of what the narrative has been with him. I think just at least for me, but now let's go finally on to Q3 and the top 10 will go something like this. I'll go from 10 to one Logan Sargent in P10, which you mentioned a little bit earlier, Charles Leclerc in P9, Oscar Piastri in P8, Sergio Perez in P7, Carlos Sainz in P6, Fernando Alonso in P5, Alex Albon in P4, George Russell in P3, Lando Norris in P2, and Max Verstappen, of course, who else gets pole? So and there's a lot to discuss with this top 10 right now. And I'll start with the team in blue, those Williams boys, both of them getting into Q3 for the first time this season. Logan Sargent's first appearance in Q3 in his entire Formula One career. So props to him for that. Go America. Let's go. Um but yeah, when you really look at these two performances, I was low-key kind of shocked. I wasn't shocked that Albon was in the top 10 because you you guys know me. I'm the biggest Albon fan in the planet. And this I, I know what this guy's potential is. And his potential is top 10 consistency in a crappy car like Williams. So if you could do that, I mean, I already said the pitch in the past episode. You could go check that out if you want to. But yeah, I mean... When you look at his performance today, it was outstanding, but I'm not surprised because that's just what this guy is now. Like, yeah, he's going to give you the one-off, like, not points finish, but he has the potential to shoot up into the top 10 with a consistency basis. And 
I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm like, quote unquote, biased for Albon, but I just see this dude's potential and he's got it. And I feel like for Sargent also today, he had a really good outing. And I granted, he did have a couple of moments throughout this year where he's gotten like P13, P12. But to get into Q3 for him today was a fantastic. He should be very proud of himself going into the garage after that. And, you know, I feel like when you look at a guy who's pretty much consistently getting knocked down Q1 and, you know, just in Q2 sometimes, getting into Q3 for him is a big achievement, at least I think. So I think just for qualifying results today, I thought Williams just had a fantastic day. Shane, do you agree? Do you think Williams will kind of do well tomorrow or will they just kind of just fall back down to earth and just kind of be that backmarker team that most people expect them to be? I think they will kind of hold their ground tomorrow, Roman. It's because when you look at the statistics, when you look at the data, at top speed, this is a side in Williams and this is a car in Williams. That was the fourth fastest car at top speed today and second fastest car at their lowest speed. So you talk about consistency in Formula 1, how it's key. This side is showing that they have attention, that they have talent. And I really do believe that Alex Albon could be looking at his you know, I don't know if it would be his first podium in Formula One. I have to look that up tomorrow. But, you know, he's looking for a podium. He's probably had podiums before, but we can cut that, I guess, first part out. But um, he's looking for a podium tomorrow, Rome. And I think he's it's very achievable in, in the way that that car is driving at the moment. So, you know, that would be his first podium in, in Williams, at least. So, which would be just, a, I mean, I, we don't curse in this podcast and this isn't really a slur, but that would be a hell of an accomplishment, Rome. It really will be. So, um, yeah, I mean, props to Alex Albon. This guy just continues to show, it continues to put on good audition after good audition each race weekend. And I think, you know, obviously the McLaren ties, Lando Norris, Mercedes makes a lot of sense. But Alex Albon, let's not forget, is in that Mercedes family also, Rome. Like, if Nando Norris stays true to what he's been kind of professing these past few years that he wants to stay at McLaren and wants to win a World Drivers Championship at McLaren, like, once Lewis Hamilton relieves the sport room, I could see Alex Albon in the Mercedes seat. I don't think enough people are talking about the fact that could be a real possibility. So this guy, ever since he got booted from that Red Bull drive, has just been performing lights out in underperforming cars. But now, since that car is up to speed and since it has potential, you see what he can do in a car that's really quick. And he doesn't make mistakes. You know, he's going around corners, not putting into the barriers in any of the practice sessions or in quality. This is a very clean driver who continues to impress me, Roman. Oh, we talk about underachieving with Alpine. This guy's overachieving and then some with this Williams car. But I think we've got to give some credit to Williams as a team as, as a whole, Rome, because it's not only the drivers that are doing the work. I mean, they have improved statistically, data analytically, so much and in their top speeds and their speeds around corners. And I think the factory deserves a lot of credit, especially James Valls at the helm of things, but all of their race engineers. And this is a team that could be competing for, dare I say, if they keep the same lineup next season, maybe bring the guy who's, dare I say, a little bit more talented than Sargent, because I'm still not convinced he might, be, he might not be in that seat next season. <sighs> this is crazy, Rome, but like, I'm thinking like fifth, fifth sixth in the construct i think fifth is feasible for williams next, next year season. or this year yeah next year fifth oh, it's, okay. it won't be feasible this year yeah yeah 
Yeah, I, but, I, uh, I I like that take low key. Like I I I'm I'm gonna stamp that. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that for sure. Um, one last thing before we uh, stop this meeting real quick, you know, I, this 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 Q3 session was bonkers. Pretty much like it always has been. Really, you get Sergeant and Leclerc both crashing. In I'm not 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 the same corner, but they were crashing at some point, which caused two red flags. So both of them were out, and then. When all was said and done, when the triple zeros hit, third fastest was getting changed hands like hot potato over like four times in that qualifying session. It was just absolutely bonkers, just in, on all levels. And you could just see that just these drivers are just going at it and qualifying. Like this is kind of their best chance to kind of just show what, show what they got before a race. And it, it just frankly just makes it really exciting to watch. And as a fan and, in general. So yeah, that's very interesting to talk about. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So Rome, I mean, this, this is setting up for a very interesting race behind Max Verstappen tomorrow. Um, yeah. Because we've got six different constructors in the top six, which is something you don't really see too often. And if it wasn't for Sergio Perez in seventh, you know, if it was potentially and uh, uh, I don't even know, like an Alpine up there. Like we could have had seven different constructors in the top seven. So, I mean, to get six different constructors in the top six is very rare. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of for grabs tomorrow, podium places, some pride. I think we all know who's going to win the race, but it should be a lot of fun just to see how it kind of all unravels as we go into this next second half part of the season. And so now we will get, into a little bit about the McLaren boys now, the boys of Papaya, Lando Norris, and Oscar Piastri. Lando gets a, a front row spot again. He's been absolutely outstanding ever since he got those upgrades in Canada. And same thing goes for Oscar Piastri. He's been kind of just in that area too. I think both those guys will go really fast tomorrow and maybe both of them get into the point. Shane, what are your thoughts on that? McLaren is just so much fun to watch right now. And it's such an easy team to root for because they got two very untalented drivers. And they've got this car now that is honestly, probably definitively now the second best car, at least at the moment on the grid. I know that I might not say the same things when it comes to the constructor standings. That's because they had so much trouble in the first part of the season, especially early on in the first couple of races. So at the moment, I think you put all the results aside. I think this is the second quickest car in the field right now. And, you know, Lana Norris and Oscar Castro deserve a lot of credit for what they've been able to do. I mean, Obviously, Max is probably going to win the race. But if there's anyone, Roman, if there's any constructor that, you know, these next couple races of the season to end the year off could could snatch a win from Red Bull, I think it's probably McLaren if there's anyone that can do it. So, and if there's anyone that can do it, I think it's Lionel Norris. So, I know we, we don't, we like to kind of tee things up here on this podcast, maybe create, you know, some controversy, something to talk about because we try to find things to talk about because it's kind of hard to discuss the same old things after race after race. But, you know, let's just have some fun tomorrow with McLaren and, and see what Lennon Norris can do, especially on that front row. Yeah, 100%. All right, now let's get over to George Russell. And he, he, he'll be in P3 starting tomorrow. And for me, I think this is a huge performance for him specifically because – he hasn't really qualified the greatest. He's gotten knocked down in Q2 in the past few races. So just to see him kind of get back on the men and just kind of just be the George Russell that we know that he can be is a great sign for not just him, but the Mercedes garage and Mercedes fans around the world. So Shane, I know you're one of those fans as well. Kind of give me your thoughts on George Russell and how he'll do tomorrow as well. 
Yeah, I'm expecting George Russell to finish in the podium places tomorrow. I know it's maybe just a precursor to our predictions that are going to be coming up in the next couple of moments. But, you know, it is fascinating because Mercedes's pace was actually slower than Williams at top speed today, if you look at the data room, which is just kind of laughable, if we're being honest, because they have the same engine, and Williams have way less resources than Mercedes. So on a straight line right now, Williams are faster than a Mercedes. So George Russell, I think, deserves credit for, you know, putting that up into P3, even ahead of the likes of Alphonse. So, yeah, I mean, I'm expecting George to fight for a podium tomorrow. You know, he starts in that third position on the grid. And um, let's see what the British driver can do, because I think he needs a result to impress his team. Because, like I mentioned earlier, he's kind of fallen behind what we, the expectations we set for him at the beginning of the season. All right, so before we get on out of here today, we got to do the ritual that we do all the time on these qualifying episodes, our podium predictions every race. Shane, hit it, my guy. Yeah, so P1, I mean, it's the most boring answer, but it's going to be Max. I can't even deny it at this point. Um, so, yeah, Max will win the race. Uh, we'll see who finishes, you know, 15, 10 seconds behind him. In my opinion, it's going to be uh, Lando Norris and George Russell. George Russell. I know that's kind of a boring prediction because that's what the grid's going to be setting up tomorrow, but I think that's going to how it's fair. I think it'll be very interesting, though, because, you know, there'll be a lot of overtakes. Maybe we'll get some crashes like we have done in free practice and like we did in qualifying. So um, there's there's a lot to look forward to. Dare I say, maybe a red flag in the race like there was in quality today because there are some corners at Zandvoort that are pretty dangerous and they're high speed. Um so, yeah, let's, let's have some fun tomorrow, Rome. It's going to be the first time I'm watching Formula One race at, at college, at university. And, you know, I'm looking forward to watching the race with a bunch of my buddies. And, you know, I've never really watched a race with anyone other than my dad. And no offense to my dad, but, you know, I like to watch races with people that are my age. And it's going to be a lot of fun, I think. So, uh, you know, I've, I've spent enough time watching a race with a 56-year-old, and I'm sorry if my dad's listening to this, but, you know, he's falling asleep during the races when Max is driving away. So let's have some conversation. Let's have mm. some fun tomorrow, Rome. Uh, no, no, don't tell Chris, though. We, we can't tell Chris on this podcast, bro. <laughs> please don't. Please, please, Dad. I really hope you're not listening to this, man. <laughs> sorry, Chris. I, I, I didn't tell him to do this. It was, this was his idea. Don't Don't get mad at me on this. All right. So quickly, my podium predictions will be, of course, Max Verstappen P1. I think Lando Norris sticks it and holds P2. And P3 is where it gets interesting for me because I got my guy, Alex Albon, in P3. Yep. This <laughs> guy's going to fly. This guy's going to do his thing. I know Shane yeah. predicted this from a mile away, but this guy has to stick it. He is in the best position of his career, he's like, I don't, I think in his career, he's never really qualified in P4 before. So he has a legit chance to get it, get into George Russell's head and defend for his life like Prime Alonzo in Canada. And he can repeat that performance in Zandvoort. So that's my podium. That's Shane's podium. And that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Follow us on Spotify, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts. So go subscribe to that, please, as well. And you can follow me at RomeKDTV and at RomeJacob1. You can follow my guy Shane at Holcomb 5 Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend about this podcast because we're trying to promote as many people as possible. I know Shane's going to try and promote this podcast in Syracuse. I will do the same here at Arizona State. 
and we will do the best that we can. And we're just going to make this thing go and make this thing grow. So I'm super excited for, for this race and in the future. So what a line, what a line, make this thing go and make this thing grow. Holy cow. Ron. Hey, this is just off the here. dome right now. I love this. This is what we do. All right. Hey. See y'all after the race. Enjoy the race. Don't fall asleep. I really hope you, you're not listening to this, Dad. Goodbye. <laughs>